Please be seated. Amen. I'm going to go back to Hebrews for a second. And um, so I'm going to reference one of those verses that we talked about. And it's verse 17 in chapter 13. And it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. So that, you can do, so that they can do this with joy and not, for, and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. I just want to say, it's been a joy and continues to be a joy to serve as your pastor. So as you guys have given back to Connor and I, we want to say thank you for your generosity and, and thank you for your richness to us. I didn't peek in the bag yet, I'll do that later. But uh, I want to say thank you. And part of the richness that we have is that it's overwhelmingly a joy to serve in ministry here and to work with you and, and for you to work with us. So thank you. And Connor also says thank you because now we can hit the after, thank, after Easter sale. So now he can stock up for the year. And, huh? Easter? Did I say Easter? After Halloween. Dear Jonah's looking at me going, I think you got that wrong, Andrew. See, this is where you're good to us. You put up with me even when I get that kind of stuff wrong. And Connor was looking at me going, okay, we'll tolerate that. We'll humor you. But So Connor's happy. He can hit the after Halloween sale. He'll be good for the year. But, uh, but thank you very much. And you got my wife too because I said, Joan, you got to come up too. She goes, oh. So there, this is just the funness of how gifts work. So I don't mind being up here, and God has gifted me and shaped me to be up here. Joan likes to work more behind the scenes and not in that same visible way. But thank you very much for your goodness and your richness to us. Very appreciated. So as I shift gears, we are in the second week of a series on dealing with the Word of God. And, and, and as, we're, as we've looked at it 40 days in a word, we're looking at these six weeks, uh, six week series. And so what I'd encourage you to do, first of all, take out your bulletin. And then take out the notes right here. Because we're going to reference this a little bit this morning as we talk about this. But I want to highlight a correction right away. You're going to see a bunch of verses from Psalm 119 up above, and then you're going to see another verse that says Psalm 119, verse 60. I got that wrong. I missed the one. It should be verse 160. So please take a, note, make, take a quick moment and, and make that 160 instead of 60. Now, in our culture, we wrestle with truth. It's just a big challenge. It's a, it's a big debate. It's a big argument. And all through our culture, we ask the question, what is truth? How do I find truth? How do I discover truth? All of that whole debate and all of that conversation goes on. And in our culture today, we have a pretty significant cancel culture. A culture that says, if you say something I don't like, if you say something that I disagree with, I'm going to cancel that. <clears throat> I was at a conference a little bit ago and someone was speaking particularly on this. And they said, what's interesting, overwhelmingly, as we see many of the things taking place in our culture today, the things that invariably that get canceled are things of truth. So, 
let me just throw a few things at you. Marriage should be between a husband and a wife. Now, in our culture today, what happens to that as it gets put out and as someone promotes that and someone advocates that position? It gets canceled. Okay, that's a position, that's a worldview, that's, that's a statement that overwhelmingly our culture says, I give you a thumbs down, I'm not going to give you a like, I'm not going to give you a thumbs up, I'm not going to give you a happy face, I'm going to give you an ugly face, I'm going to give you an ugly expression. I can't believe the hateful way that you're speaking. That marriage is between a man and a woman. Or when we speak about the issues that there are men and there are women, there are boys and there are girls, but there's not something else. And in our culture, what happens as that conversation takes place? It gets canceled. Because again, that's hateful, that is uncaring, that is not nice. Okay? How about on a political spectrum? Have you heard any chatter about someone taking over Twitter? Okay. And part of the whole conversation and the whole debate of Twitter being taken over is that a bunch of people have been fired, a bunch of people have been released, and the debate is now surfacing, what are you going to say, what are you going to allow to be said? And now we can't manage what is true or what isn't true. The whole question and the whole debate of truth. Very interesting. Just before the service began, I walked through the office stuff here. I needed to get some tissues and I wanted to have them just in case I needed more of them. So I went and grabbed a couple tissues and as I walked into Royce's office, the lights were on and then I kind of walked around the corner. The lights in Connor's office were on and his door was open so as I kind of go, I went through and I shut the door, locked the door, turned off the lights and as I'm walking past Connor's desk, I saw this CD set. Now what's interesting, I said, hey Connor, I'm going to grab that real quick for a second. He says, that's okay, and I got it from Steve. And so, so it's kind of cycling around here. But here's what's interesting. Even as we talk about the conversation this morning, even as we start to have the conversation about truth, here's this guy, and he's doing a bus trip, he kind of looks like, but I think he's doing it all online. But he's, he, the whole thing is called Road Trip to Truth. And it's apparently the third season of the road trip to truth. But what is he doing? He's going to be walking through biblical principles and he's going to be picking up themes and picking up issues and talking about how what the scriptures have to say and talking about the truth of those issues as in opposition to what our culture teaches and to what our culture represents and to what other people say. Now, where does all this come from? The scriptures. As we look at scriptures, where's the authority to say this is or is not true? Where is the authority that says I will affirm or cancel? Where is the authority that says we're going to lift up and celebrate or we're going to have angry faces and be angry about what's being taking place? Where is the authority to determine the choice? 
Who chooses what is right? Who chooses what is wrong? I would like to suggest to you again this morning that as we look at scriptures, the scriptures tell us the truth and the scriptures reveal the truth to us. And the scriptures communicate the truth to us. And so I want to take some time this morning to talk about the scriptures because as we wrestle through and as we look at the scriptures, one, the word is the word from God. It comes from God. We talked about that last week. This week I want to kind of focus on the fact that the scriptures are trustworthy. They are true. I think I said this last week, and, and I say this on a, especially when I do premarital counseling, or I do, I sit down with an individual, or I sit down with a couple, and invariably I will sit down, and as I have a conversation with them, I go to the scripture. And as I go to the scripture and have this conversation, I say to the individual or the individuals, so listen, this is what the Bible says, and this is what the scriptures teach. So now, I have found that overwhelmingly there are times when people disagree with me and they say to me, I don't want to listen to what the Bible has to say and, and I don't want to accept necessarily that the Bible comes from God. And I say to that person, it says, okay, I'm not going to fight that argument with you right now, but here's what I've discovered, here's what I've learned. When I do what the Bible tells me to do, it works. So when I listen to the principles and the the things the scriptures teach, the the guidelines that the scriptures give, the attitude that the scriptures encourage me to have, I find as I apply and as I do what the scriptures tell me to do, they work. Now, on the backward part of that conversation, ultimately what starts to trickle through, well, if I'm doing this stuff and it works, it must be true. It must be true, because as I'm doing it, it works. And part of what I want people to do is to learn to trust God's word. So, also this past week, we encourage you to spend some time reading through Psalm 119. It's, it's the biggest chapter in, in the Bible longest chapter, but it's also an amazing chapter because it talks about the Word of God. And so for me this, this, this week, I just want to highlight some of the verses that jumped out to me because it kind of goes with some of the things we're talking about this morning. And I'm just going to read through them and just kind of hit them real quick. And what's really great is that I put them all on one slide for the sound team so they don't have to go through a whole bunch of them. They'll all kind of roll through. So but here we go. Let's, let's kind of start to hit some of these verses. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set your ordinances be, before me. I pursue the way of your commands, for you broaden my understanding. Never take the word of truth from my mouth, for I hope in your judgments. Lord, you have treated your servant well, just as you promised. What's he saying? God, you have kept your word. You've told me the truth. You haven't lied to me. He's also saying, I've done what you've told me to do in your word, and it works. It was good for me to be afflicted. So, boy, do you ever have that? 
Do you ever have that point in your life where you have something happen in your life and you're kind of going to God saying, this isn't fair, I don't like it, this is not right, you're not being kind to me, you're not being fair to me, how come you're allowing these things to happen to my life that are hard and that are difficult? And yet here he goes, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I could learn your statutes. See, he's saying, God... Because you allowed challenges and difficulty into my life, it brought me back to your word. Instruction from your lips is better than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Now again, just think about this. Better than thousands of gold and silver pieces. We're not talking about a little bit of cash. Now, I guess the lottery is up to about $2 billion. So we're not talking about $2 billion, But we're talking a lot of Halloween candy. Okay? We're talking about a lot of goodies here. Thousands of gold and silver pieces. You could buy your house, buy your new car. That's, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about here. And he says, instruction from your lips. The God, the things you have to say, the things you have revealed is better, better than that huge wad of cash. I long for your salvation. I put my hope in your word. All your commands are true. People persecute me with lies. Help me. But all your commands are true. Lord, your word is forever your word is forever. It is firmly fixed in heaven. Do you ever do you get this? Do you process this a little bit? When we go, when we enter into eternity, there's just a couple things that are going to still be around. I like living around here. And we bought a house near the water. Not on the water, but near the water. I like that. Guess what? When we get to glory, we don't keep the house. I think God's got something better for me. Maybe that one will be on the water. I don't know. But, it's not going to last. It's not going to stand the test of time. We can maybe have a nice car or we can have a nice set of clothes and all sorts of other stuff. None of that lasts. But there's two things overwhelmingly that will last the period of time in all of eternity. Relationships that we have in Jesus and God's word. See, God's word is one of those things that's eternal. And forever and ever and ever, God's word will stand. It won't disappear and cease to be relevant at the closing of history, but will continue to be relevant and will continue to be preserved all through history and eternity. Now, I love this next part. Your command makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is always with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, because your decrees are my meditation. And I understand more than the elders, because I obey 
your precepts. Just the incredible value in insight and discernment and wisdom and understanding that comes from being a person who spends time in God's word. Verse 142. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your instruction is true. You are near, Lord, and all your commands are true. The entirety of your word is truth. Each of, each of your righteous judgments endures forever. And then verse 63, I have and abhor falsehood, but I love your instruction. I hate and abhor falsehood. Read that correctly. But I love your instruction. Why? Because God, your instruction isn't false. It's true. And I love what you have to say. Now, as we process through all of that, this is all what we've had a chance to kind of look at and think about this past week as we kind of spent some time walking through Psalm 119 to be reminded again and again and again of the awesomeness and the amazingness of God's Word and the fact that it is true. And so when we start to live life and we start to ask the question, how do I measure the things that are happening around me? How do I measure decisions that I should be making? How do I filter out error from truth as I listen to all the clatter and and clutter and commotion and noise that swirls around me? How do I filter out all that stuff and, and put all that which is junk and false aside and filter out truth. How do I do that? It's through God's word. Because God's word is truth and it leads us into truth. It leads us to wisdom. It leads us to discernment. It leads us to understanding. That's again the incredible reason why we should be men and women of the word. Why we should be people who spend time on a regular basis reading God's word. Because as we allow God's word to come into our lives, we, we, we start to store up this reservoir and we start to add to our filter. So, just, just one. Any of you guys have a filter on your heater at home? Do you have one? Wave at me if you do. Okay, I think most of us would. So, how many of you go into the house and just rip that filter out? Forget it. I don't need no filter. I'll just breathe whatever blows through the house. How many of you go to the store and you say, get me the cheapest one you've got. I want the one that's only going to stop stuff this big. I don't need anything else. I want the cheapest thing you got. (coughs) Nope. We go and we say, I would like a good one. Now, I can't afford the best one, but I can probably afford that one. That's the best one I can afford, so that's the one I'm going to get. And today they are more expensive than they used to be. But 
I want the best one I can get because I try and like, I'd like not to be sick. I would prefer not to have as much dust blowing through the house as possible. I would like to have a better filter so that I can breathe better. And in fact, if I get the chance, I would even wouldn't be wouldn't mind having a filter that I can put in my house, the thing that would just run and clean the air. That would be really good. In fact, that's one of the things that they discovered through this whole COVID thing, that if you have a better filtration system running, that really helps you to avoid COVID when you're inside because it filters out the air, it turns the air over and catches the stuff that's floating around that we don't see, and it helps us to stay healthier. Well, this is what the Word of God does. It's just like that filter. It, it, it starts to work in our life and it starts to filter out that stuff so that as we start to ask questions, as we start to look at things, what happens? It starts to filter out error and truth so that error stays on the outside, allows truth to filter through. And it helps us as we look at issues to recognize that which is a lie and that which is true. It's an amazing thing what God's Word does. It helps us to filter out, to start to turn down the noise and recognize that which is right versus that which is wrong. And so we look at verse 160 again. The entirety of your Word is truth. Each of your righteous judgments endure forever. Now I love this too. Because this is one of those things in the last week. We, 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 we've, we, I asked you guys the question at the end of the sermon that we talked about in life group. That we only believe the part of God's word that we do. You know, and we talked about that in life group a little bit, and someone goes, I'm not sure I like that statement. But in a pragmatic way, we have kind of do that sometimes. Right? We read God's word and says, well, you should be living this way. You should be following these patterns. You should be looking at some of these routines as patterns for your life. And you go, but I like some of those things that it's telling me not to do. So I'm not going to do those things. I'm going to do some other things. And what we're saying at times is, well, I'm not going to hold that as truthful. I'm not going to hold that as credible. I'm not going to hold that as legitimate. I'm going to set that aside because I don't want to do that. I don't like that right now. But what he says is the entirety of your word is truth. The entirety. All of it. And again, God has given us his word to help us to be successful and to flourish, to walk with him, to know him, and to really succeed in life. I was talking to my doc the other day. I've had GERD a long time. And so as we were having this whole conversation, he's told me a number of times, you got to give up caffeine, you got to da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, I like my coffee, I like my tomatoes. I like, I like my sauce, pasta. I, I just, I'm sorry, I kind of really like those things. And so as he was talking to me the other day, he says, listen, we're going to really push on this and see if we can't knock this out. Because it's still kind of holding on. 
we've been holding on for years. So, so if we can knock it out, then we can. Then we'll have to. If we can't knock it out, then we'll have to ask questions about maintenance. But let's first try to really get rid of it. And I, so he says, "So what are you still doing?" I said, "Well, I'm still drinking decaffeinated coffee." He goes, "What?" He goes, "You know, decaffeinated coffee still has some caffeine in it." And I said, "Well, but it's but it's but it's mostly pretty much gone." He says, yeah, we'll talk to a woman who's pregnant. She says, like, maybe a little bit pregnant, but not a whole lot pregnant. <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah, either you are or you aren't. Stop drinking the caffeine. Now, I like my caffeine. I've enjoyed my caffeine. I like my coffee. But he's also telling me, if you want to get rid of the GERD, stop drinking the caffeine. So I don't have my glass up here, but so if you see me walking around right now with my big old coffee cup or something else, it's not got coffee in it. I still got the big cup because it keeps it nice and cool, but I don't have coffee in there. I've got something else. And again, your word is truth. Why does God give us his word? To help us to be healthy, to help us to, to flourish. But if we still kind of drink that sinful stuff in our lives or those unhealthy things in our lives we don't get to flourish the way God wants us to your word is truth let's look at a number of other verses that we see standing out here how about John chapter 1 verse 14 John chapter 1 verse 14 says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have observed his glory the glory as the one and only the son from the father full of what? Grace and truth. Talking about Jesus who was in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God and the word became flesh. It's interesting how the scriptures talk about Jesus as being the word but full of what? Grace and truth. How about another verse? John 17, 17. Let's see if I go in the right direction. I went in the wrong direction. 17, 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. This is Jesus. This is that high priestly prayer he's praying. He's praying for the disciples and he's also praying for you and me. This is just before he's arrested, just before he's crucified, just before he completes that work that he came to accomplish on the cross of Calvary, just before he completes and fulfills the requirements of the Old Testament. Sanctify them by truth. Sanctified means set them apart. Help them to be identified. Help them them to be recognized by truth. Now we're going to go into this and look at this in in a few weeks, probably sometime in in, in the end of, in in January. But I because I want to spend some time looking at the in Galatians, looking at the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. But here's what's interesting: a person who is in God, walking with God, has relationship with God, who has the Holy Spirit working in their life and through their life. You can see the the fruit of their life by the fruit of the spirit. In contrast, you can see a person who's not walking with God, but who's defined by the fruit of the flesh and you can see their life defined by the fruit of the flesh and as you look at that those two sets of fruit in Galatians chapter 5 it's very different fruit 
And there's very different evidences in there of who they are and who they are following, who they are affiliated with, who they identify with. And a follower of Jesus is, the, is sanctified, it's set apart by truth. And so therefore their life starts to reflect the characteristics of truth and the values of truth and the priorities of truth. And so as a person walks with Jesus and starts to live out the word, i.e. your word is truth, they start to live according to God's word and they're shaped and defined by the, the living out of God's word, it starts to be evident in their lives because people are watching them, people are looking at them, people are listening to them, and they're seeing that their lives are different than what they see from other people. Why? Because they are sanctified by truth. They are set apart by truth. See, truth makes us different. Now again, this is where we sometimes then land in the bullseye of people. Because when you live differently and you start to be identified by truth, and therefore then your very, the very existence that you walk by, the very way that you live, it starts to be an irritation and an annoyance to other people. Because now you represent a different value system. We're going to look at this other verse in a second. But because we don't speak the way other people speak, because we speak more graciously, or we don't use all of the four-letter words that everyone likes to use. Or because we don't speak about people the way they are spoken about by everyone else. Or because we don't argue about petty and stupid things. People look at us and say, you're different. But sometimes they like different, but sometimes also different makes them feel guilty and that annoys them because it's highlighting the stuff that's going on inside their life. You ever? No. <laughs> I'm going to go back to my childhood. My mom used to really enjoy Chinese food. She really loved it. But dad hated it. But because dad loved mom, dad would take mom to the Chinese restaurant. And invariably, the lights were dim. And dad would go, well, you know why the lights are dim, don't you? Because I turned on the lights, you'd see all the dirt. <laughs> now, I don't know if that's true or not, but that has stuck in my brain many years later. But the principle is true. Our world likes darkness rather than light. The deeds of sin are done in darkness where the deeds of righteousness are done in the light. And so what happens when people living in righteousness walk into people's lives? They bring in the light. And as they bring in the light, it shows a light on the patterns of life and the patterns of sin that are existing there. And they don't like it because now there's someone around them that's turning the light on the patterns of how they're living and the choices that they're making. And it's identifying that it is sinful, that it's unhealthy, that it's wrong, that's really not something that's productive. And they get annoyed and they get irritated. Why? Because you are living differently and you're representing the character and the integrity of Jesus you're bringing light into the situation and that's offensive just because you're choosing to be sanctified to be set apart by truth but Jesus has prayed that we would be set apart by truth and then as he finishes that sentence of prayer he says and God father your word is truth 
See, if we're going to be set apart by truth, we should be spending time reading about where the truth comes from, which is reading it from the Word and learning it from the Word. This is why we need to be men and women of the Word. How about 2 Corinthians chapter 4? I'm going to read through verses 1 to 6, and then I'm going to focus in on verse 2. So this kind of follows up on what we were just talking about. Therefore, since we have this ministry, because we were shown mercy, we do not give up. Okay? We're going to keep on going, even though it's, it's difficult at times. Instead, we have renounced secret and shameful things, not acting deceitfully or distorting the word of God, but commending ourselves before God to everyone's conscience by an open display of the truth. But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Jesus isn't veiling. God isn't veiling. It's our world. It's sin. It's the evil one who is veiling. He's the one who's saying, look over there. Look over there. Don't focus here. Look over here. Ding, 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 ding. Attention over here. Attention, ding, ding. Whoop, 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 whoop. Don't look. Whoop, whoop, whoop. See this over here. Hey, 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 hey. I want you to look over there. What? That's what he's doing. We live in a world that loves distraction. We live in a world... Okay, where it is? There it is. Can you go through an hour without picking a sucker up and looking at it? Could you go a day? Let's make it tough. Just 15 minutes. Man, this thing has just wormed its way into our lives. It just dominates us in so many ways. And this isn't the only thing. It's all the stuff that, that flows through it. All of this distraction, all of this information, all the stuff that's going on, it's just screaming at us, I want you to look over here. Instead of looking at Jesus. Because the evil one is trying to blind. The evil one is trying to deceive. The evil one is trying to distract. Error is trying to hide the truth and distract us from seeing the truth. But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled by those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He doesn't want them to see the image of God. He wants them to see something else. For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Christ, but Jesus Christ is Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But go back and look in particular at verse 2. Instead, we have renounced secret, shameful things, not acting deceitful or distorting the word of God, but commending ourselves before God to everyone's conscience by an open display of the truth. And where does that truth get revealed? Through God's word. That's where we find out who Jesus is. That's where we find out what it means to live in a way that honors God, that honors the Father, and helps us know how to walk well with Jesus. How about the next verse? Ephesians 1.13. 
In him we were sealed by the promised Holy Spirit. What? When you heard the word of truth, the message about Jesus, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. Where did you and I hear about the word of truth? Where do we find it? We find it in the Bible. We find it in the scriptures as we read in the gospels, as we read in the epistles, as we read the Old Testament, as we see the foundations pointing to Jesus. That's where we find the word of truth. That's where we find the arrows pointing us to Jesus. That's where we find the information that helps us understand who Jesus is and what Jesus has done in the word. And Jesus is that word of truth. How about 2 Timothy? Again, kind of picking up on that earlier conversation. We're going to focus in on, we're going to highlight verse 15, but let's read the whole thing in context. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to fight about words. Boy, you ever, oh my goodness. How often do you hear people fighting about words? And you just kind of want to go, stop it. You're basically saying the same thing. Avoid irreverent and empty speech. I skipped over verse 15, didn't I? Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. Avoid irreverent and empty speech since those who engage in it will produce even more godlessness and their teaching will spread like gangrene. Hymenaeus and Philetus are among them. They have departed from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place and are running from the faith and ruining the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, bearing this inscription, The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. Now, Back to verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself to God as one what? Approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, correctly handling the word of truth. We need to be students of God's word. We need to be paying attention to God's word. We need to be listening to God's word. We need to be spending time in God's word. Because this is where we find the truth. This is where we hear the truth. And as we hear and listen to the truth and start to apply the truth, we are being transformed by the truth. And the more we are being transformed by the truth, the more and more and more we start to reflect the character and the substance of that truth. Which is part of the transformation, sanctification process that God wants to be present in our lives. And then Acts. Chapter 17, verses 11 and 12. The people here were of more noble character than in Thessalonica, since they received the word with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Consequently, many of them believed, including a number of the prominent Greek women as well as men. commends the people of Berea. Why? Because they did exactly what he was telling Timothy to do in Timothy 2 verse 2 Timothy 2 verse 15. Be a student of the word. And what did the Bereans do? They went back and they looked 
at the scriptures. Now, as he's talking about this here in particular, he's talking about the Old Testament. They went back and looked at the Old Testament scriptures, and they read through the Old Testament scriptures to understand who Jesus was and and why Jesus was important in the process of all that, and how Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises and the scripture and, and the prophecy and all that kind of stuff. And as they went back and as they read the scriptures and studied the scriptures and investigated what the scriptures were saying about Messiah, they understood that Jesus was the promised one of God. Now, we need to be men and women who spend time in God's word. I want to encourage you again to do that this week. So this week I have a different set of readings for you. Now, if you have a routine and a pattern in your own life, I would encourage you to maintain that. But if you don't have a routine and a pattern of spending time in God's Word on a regular basis, I would encourage you to just follow the guidelines that we're mapping out on the bottom of the page. And so for this week, I would encourage you to read through James. Now you're going to like, oh my goodness, read through James. It's five chapters, so one chapter a day. And then we'll kind of look a little bit at First Peter and look at chapter, first chapters 1 and chapter 2. And the reality is, is that what we're asking you to read is probably just about the same amount as we asked you to read last week on a daily basis. So we're not asking you to kind of read a crazy amount more, and we're going to shift things up in about two weeks. But I want to encourage you to spend some time reading God's Word. And now, the book of James was the first book of the New Testament, probably the first book of the New Testament written. And James has some incredible, just pragmatic, practical instruction, practical advice for us on how to walk and follow Jesus. And what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus and how we would interact with other people. Does anyone want wisdom? So if your hand isn't up, I'm assuming you want to continue to be as dumb as a rock. (laughs) No, I don't think you want to do that. I think all of us would like some wisdom. We would like insight. We would like understanding. And what's he say? Ask God. This is part of what he talks about. And so he kind of reinforces the importance of prayer. So I would encourage you this week, each day, just take some time to read. Now, I would encourage you to do a couple of things. And so as you look at this, the questions I would ask you to think about are slightly different, very similar, but slightly different. What verses stand out the most to me today? This week, I would ask you to really focus in and just, as you read through, there's probably going to be a couple verses that are just going to stand out to you. I don't know if that happened to you as you were kind of reading through last week, but but it really hit me last week. So each day we're kind of reading, each day this past week, we read around 24 verses a day. And as you're reading through that, there's every, every reading, there's like five or six of verses that just go like, oh, that's a really good verse. And you read a little bit more, oh, that's a really, I really like what that one is saying. And oh, that is so interesting. And I want to encourage you to maybe as you read through, you're going you're gonna to hit a couple of verses that are just going to resonate with you. Now here's what's cool. The verses that might resonate with me may not be the verses that resonate with you. And that's really okay. Now, I have a fun thing to tell you. So I let Joan use my Bible program. But it's my Bible program. But what she does on her thing, when she pulls it up, I see it. It affects my Bible program. And so Joan is highlighting all this stuff. And so I'm going back through and I'm eliminating all the highlights because I don't like to highlight stuff because I like to be hit with stuff for the first time and fresh and all that kind of stuff. But what was fun is we were both, what was interesting though is some of the things that were jumping out to Joan were different than the things that were jumping out to me. 
But take some time and look through and say, what verses really jump out and, and, and what verses really mean, are meaningful to me? And then as you look at those particular verses, ask, what is it about this verse that captures my attention? Take a few moments to look at those verses that just capture your attention. And then ask this question, what do these verses suggest to me about how I should be living today? What do those verses, those, these verses that are kind of jumping out from the reading, what do these suggest to me? What do these, do these communicate to me about how I should be living and how I should be reflecting my relationship with Christ today? Just kind of do that. Now, but here's one more thing I want to ask you to do, because this will be helpful for what we're going to do in a couple of weeks. I would ask you, as you have some of these verses that just really jump out to you, just take a moment to keep a journal of them. This, these are the verses I really like. So again, you, you see all these verses kind of at the top here. These are the ones that I kind of highlighted that were jumping out to me. Now, in my filter, I was thinking about today on some of those things, and so my, my filter was shaped by some of that, but these are the ones that jumped out to me, and I wanted to share them with you. Now, there's like 178 verses in Psalm 119. I shared maybe 12. And that's okay. But if there's a verse that jumps out to you, just take a moment and just kind of jot that down. So that as we get ready to look at something, do something a little bit different in a couple weeks, you've highlighted some of these verses that stand out to you. Making sense? All right. Now, my encouragement. God's word, the Bible, is given to us by God. It's given to us by God. It's God's word to us. And again, as I said last week, if you're saying to yourself, I would love to hear from God. I would love to hear the voice of God in my life. Spend some time reading his word. And as you start to live your life, when you start to say to yourself, I really would appreciate to have some wisdom and insight on how to handle some of these things that are going on in my life, I would really benefit from having some wisdom and insight to have regarding the choices that are going on so that I can make the right kinds of choices. Again, you go back to God's word because God's word is truth. And I love that one part in the middle from, I guess, verses from Psalm 119. Let's see, the, the ones that were from 98 to 100. And you're saying, I have victory over my adversaries. I'm, I, the, 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 the elders are... are they're really good guys and my teachers are really good guys but because I'm spending time in the word my insight, my understanding is even greater than what they can communicate to me why? because I'm spending time in God's word and I'm letting it speak into my life I want to encourage you to spend some time in God's word letting it speak into your life let's pray together Father, I want to say thank you so very much for your richness and your goodness to us. And Father, as we shift gears here, and Father, as we shift to talking about communion and and looking at the promise of communion, Father, again, we find that insight, we find that understanding from looking at your word, from, from allowing your word to speak into our lives and to direct our understanding Father, be at work as we 
reflect and as we remember. Lord, I ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, if you have not grabbed something for communion, just kind of wave your hand. Vicki is back there. She'll be glad to, and others are there to help you guys out. Here you go. I have one right. I am, I am ahead of the game. I have an extra. Here you go. Now, the good news is it's closed so it doesn't spill. So my wife is going, Andrew. Now, this is, this is one of those components of life as a follower of Jesus that's really important. Because we were reminded and we were instructed, we were, we were told to do a couple of things. And, and one of the things that Jesus said to the disciples on, on the night that he was betrayed, he said, this is, and I want you to do these things in remembrance of me. And so he handed out the bread. And he, he talked about the significance of the bread. And he says, and do this in remembrance of me. And he, he, he took the cup and he blessed the cup and he handed it out to the disciples. He says, do this in remembrance of me. And, he said, and then he would say, as often as you do this, to do this in remembrance of me. And so this is a really important component in the journey of a Christian's life. Later on, to the church of Corinth, as Paul preached the gospel, as he brought the message of Jesus, started to bring that around the the Mediterranean and and started to communicate Christ into the major cities, and then from the major cities the gospel went out to the other parts of the area. And as he went to the city of Corinth, he taught them the importance of communion, but they started to abuse communion. And they started to neglect how communion was handled. And so they kind of turned it into a feast, a big meal. And so instead of just partaking of some bread and partaking of some juice, they started to turn it into this big meal, this kind of big feasting time. And as in every church, there are some who have more and others who have less. And the disparity was really evident during that period of time. On top of that, there were people who were not listening to God's word, not honoring God's word, but then still living in a very secular way, living contrary to what God's word would teach, in that they would come in and they would casually partake of the bread and casually partake of the juice. And so as Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, he said, listen, stop doing what you're doing. You're making a mockery of the process of remembering what Jesus has done. So don't treat this as a period of of haves and haves nots. But treat this as a period to remember and to honor. And on top of that, as you come in and as you partake, you should take some time to examine yourself and kind of look at your lives and say, how am I doing walking with Jesus? Am I reflecting the character of Christ? Am I reflecting the values of Christ? Am I seeking to live in alignment with who Jesus wants me to be? Or am I actively living differently? And so it's, it's, it's a really healthy time for us to remember, but it's also a really healthy time for us to take inventory and say, Jesus, how am I doing? Anyone take their car to the mechanic? Anyone? 
We do. We take our car to the mechanic on a regular basis, partially just to make sure that there's nothing going on. I love it when you get the preventative maintenance plans. But you have that preventative maintenance plan to prevent being stuck in the side of the road in an area where your cell phone doesn't work. This is kind of part of that preventative maintenance plan. To take inventory. To reflect. But it's also part of that personal worship time where we come back and we say to Jesus, Jesus, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for the amazingness of your going to Calvary and taking my sin for me. So I invite you to take a moment to Take out the bread and, and, and take a moment to thank Jesus for what he has done. When we look at the scriptures, it says, Jesus said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And as we look at what took place in Calvary, Jesus was beaten. He was whipped. The scriptures, uh, Isaiah des- describes what would take place as one who would be difficult to recognize as a man. He was whipped and beaten so much. You then talk about the cross of Calvary, how nails were driven through hands and feet, dropped into a hole, dropped into a spot, and, and then erected up there and placed up high so that people could see him there in his nakedness and, and then slowly suffocate because crucifixion was about suffocation. And so the pressure on the feet, you'd have to push up to breathe you're pushing up on your feet as your feet are pushing on nails that are holding your feet in place, which is excruciatingly painful. So you've got to pull yourself up on hands that have nails through them, just so you can breathe. And slowly fluid builds up and you're, you're, it's about suffocation and slowly killing you in an excruciatingly painful way. It's a reminder of the ugliness and the absolute devastating destruction that sin reaps in our lives. See, God didn't do what he did with Jesus because he was being gratuitously angry or violent. It was an image and a reminder of the ugliness of sin and the destruction of sin and how vile sin is and really how destructive sin is. So often we look at sin and we paint it as pretty when it is so ugly. And so Jesus said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take a few moments to reflect and to thank our Lord for what he has done and to take a few moments to take some inventory about what's going on inside of your life with our Lord. After Jesus had identified that this represented his, his body, which was broken for them, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together as we remember Jesus.
the scriptures continue and it says he took the cup and he blessed it and he gave it to them and he says this cup represents the new covenant in my blood and as we read through Hebrews we recognize again that as Hebrews talks about this Hebrews identified that without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin and I don't understand how all of that works and I don't understand all of the thought process of God in all of that but what I know is that God says without the shedding of blood there's no forgiveness of sin and I'm having difficulty opening this here alright we need to remember that our sin problem was addressed by Jesus it's not by being good people not by living good lives but rather it's Jesus taking our punishment upon himself as 2 Corinthians 5.21 says and God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God God took our sin and in an exchange offers us his righteousness his purity his cleanness so that we can be made right and be reconciled to the Father. That's what Jesus has done. And as Jesus hung on that cross, God poured out his wrath because sin must be punished. Sin must be addressed. And Jesus took that punishment. He took the weight and the cost of that sin on himself. And so it's free. You know when people tell you this is free? Free does not mean there is no cost. Free just means there's no cost to you. Jesus paid the cost so that we could have life. And again, he says, do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. Let's pray. Father, as we prepare to take an offering, as we prepare to close and get ready to head out into a new week, Lord, I would ask that you be at work in us, building to us, into us, the character of Christ, molding and shaping our lives around the, the example of Jesus. Father, I would ask that you would help us to walk with you well so that we can honor you in all that we do. Father, thank you for your richness and your goodness to us in Jesus and in so much. We thank you in our precious Savior's name. Amen.